Good morning. Who's ready for some scripture? Anybody? Oh, man. Love the word of God. Um, I'm Joel. Good to have you here. Transformed follower of Jesus. And I'm pretty excited because of this speak series. Uh, Today, I have the honor of jumping in and talking about worldview. Will be some similar but not the same uh, issues if you were here about a year ago that I preached on through a series called Because It Matters, where we hit biblical sexuality and we hit weed and wine and pro, uh, whether uh, talking about life and all these different things. So we, we addressed all of that about a year ago. And today's going to be a little similar, but I have the joy of talking about that. Next week, I get to preach about race. The next week, I get to preach about politics. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Who's jealous of me? Oh, man. Um, I am going to ask that you do this today. There is a booklet for you. I hope you got it. I hope that you get up, grab a pen. There's a couple of cards even halfway up. There's some in the back. If you need a pen, I am inviting you now. Uh, Even if you're in the middle of the fourth row right now and you have to like slap knees, get up and go get a pen. You need it, okay? I'd rather that happen because you can turn in here. A lot of work went into this for you guys. And there's a page here that says week one. And I'm asking that you fill this up with notes today. And I would encourage you not to write font 24. All right? You're going to need to go a little smaller than that. All right? So that's going to be important for us today as we get to unpack the word of God um, some of you already know I had the joy of going out with my family to out west, Yellowstone, Glacier, different places um, this last summer for about a week and a half or so. It was a lot of fun to be able to do that. Um, my family, the six of us, we were incredibly close. And so we're the people, as long as the six of us together, we're like, we're okay, let's go. And uh, it was such a good time. When we go, we went out to, I remember going out to Yellowstone. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't fateful, but it was some of those geysers. Um, and it was just beautiful around it, and they had these trails, wooden trails, right, tracks with railings so that you wouldn't step out on anything, and that you would walk up, and you could see just the beauty of God's creation. Anybody been there before? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Awesome. Good. Um, If not, it's cool. We got technology. Look it up. You can just look at a picture. Save the money. All right, so I'm looking at this creation, and it's fantastic to see. And as I'm looking at creation, here's, I get up to a place, it's probably about 100, 150 feet tall, uh, higher than everybody else, um, and so, just because I had gone farther up the trail, and I'm looking down and saw all these people, and guess what they're all doing? They're all taking pictures, right? Makes sense. They're all taking pictures. Now, I, I grew up in a day, I, my main, like if I go childhood, I think the 80s. Yeah, right? Like, it was that kind of thing. Um, lots of hair. Um, you always had the mullets going on, business in front, party in the back. Um, like, all these different things, lots of butt cuts. And, and, like, it was just, those are the 80s. Here's something else about the 80s. Some of you younger people have never seen this before. This is called a camera. Um, and in the 80s, I had, some, I had a couple of family members they, they had one of these things, and they used it a lot. And so that what they would do is they would always take, like, just always taking pictures. So I'm going to take a couple of pictures, truly legit. So don't make an ugly face because it might end up on our website. Um, you never know. So I'm going to take a couple of pictures. And what they did, you guys look presentable. Um, 
So what they would do is they just constantly take pictures. Here's what they didn't do. You ready for this? Oh, hey, hey, that's my bad side. Right? That's what they didn't do. And if they would have, they would have been called something called a narcissist. Right? You know what I'm talking about. How many narcissists are in the house today? Right? And we're always doing it, and it's driving me crazy. Because here's the thing. Before, when I'm looking there, I'm out west, I'm looking out over and I'm seeing all of these people with God's beautiful creation. And every one of them, instead of using this, they had a little phone. And instead of taking a picture of God's creation, they were all doing like this. They all wanted to be in the foreground. Twenty-five years ago, that would have been unacceptable. And so I'm not spending much time on any fluff today. I'm about to jump into some hard scripture. Because our real issue when it comes to having a biblical worldview is that we actually think that we are the most important. It's all about self. Selfies galore, right? I remember I met somebody the other day. They're like, they're like hey, you should check out my website. I'm like, and when I check, like, I have a business website and stuff like that. And I'm going, okay, I get it. Like, you got to promote something. That's cool. What's it? Like, you're trying to get a job. You're promoting. Like, I just want people to know. They need to have the opportunity to get to know me. I'm like, oh, cool. I, I didn't even know what to say in that moment. Like, when have you known me to be without words? And so I'm like, I don't even know what, like, that's where we are today. We are so good at promoting self. And we want to be, if we're really honest, in the foreground of everything that's happening in life. Right? Isn't that what we want? And that's what we want to be able to do. Take some more pictures. And we want to be in the foreground. So here's the first thing for you to make sure that you write. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Please, please, please write. Because today is to give you. Here's your job. Is every one of us is to represent Jesus Christ if you claim to know him as Lord and Savior. My job is to give you a clear understanding of scripture and words. You better go and to do that. That's my responsibility. So if I'm not doing that well, I need to know because that's your job. It's, this is not only my job to communicate the grace and the love and the passion of Jesus. That is all of our responsibility. Yes? problem is many of us have never done it before. 2 Timothy chapter 3, you need to know what's happening here. This is written by Paul to Timothy. As Paul is writing this, this is probably around 67, maybe 68 AD, okay? Paul is writing this. This is just prior to him being beheaded. And he's in a, he is in a nasty, wet prison cell as he's writing this letter. And he sees everything that's happening Right? There's this Roman emperor by the name of Nero, and he is a guy who did a great job that when anything went wrong in society, no matter what it was, guess who he blamed? Christians. That's what he did. So here's your, ba- here's your backstory for all of this, okay? 
You got into the context. So here's Paul. He's writing to Timothy in a prison cell, making sure that he knows, listen, things are going to get hard. Things are going to get difficult. It's going to be really, 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 um, I would say, a problem to represent Christ at times because you're going to be persecuted. You need to recognize this. So if you've ever been raised in a church where your pastor told you, hey, listen, when you come to know Jesus, everything's easy, please send him a letter and say, go back to seminary because Scripture does not say that. Don't actually write. Well, maybe write that. Yeah, sure. Write the letter. Who cares? Um, Because we need truth being spoken. And so here's Paul going, things are going to be hard. Things are going to be difficult. So he's writing to Timothy. He's like, man, sound doctrine is going to be more important right now than ever before. Being able to know the truth, being able to know who God is. And so here's Paul understanding the need for that very thing. And then this is what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is chapter 3. I'm just going to read like the first four or five verses. That's it. So 2 Timothy 3, first few verses. You can read this later on with your small group. That's what this is designed for. If you're not in a small group, to be able to do it, um, maybe with just even with your family or some friends, say, hey, let's walk through this together. And there's all kinds of resources online that are going to be there for you, everything else, okay? We know some other places are even using it. We think that's great. Just we want to jump into the Word of God. That's our, that's our responsibility. And this is what it says, for, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But understand this. He's in prison. When you're in prison, you're making sure that you communicate the primary issues. But understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. So again, if you've been heard, hey, I know Jesus, now he can do whatever I want so I can have the life that I desire, you have a very poor understanding or theology or doctrine of God. In the last days, there will be times of difficulty, and then he gives the first reason why. For people will be lovers of self. I'll make sure I'm in the front right there. For people will be lovers of self. Our self-centeredness today is so great, we don't even recognize it. We actually think self-centeredness is a way of life. Well, this is what I want. This is what I desire. And look at where it's gotten us, by the way. And so we see all of this, and he continues on. And he says, man, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I was just saying my kids were in here. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. You never can make them happy. Anybody know somebody, no matter what you do, within a few days, they just want more. Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand, but don't, don't nudge. Don't. That's not being godly. Unless you're holding them accountable, nudge away. Um, Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, pride, arrogance, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, they'll cloud everything and they'll... They'll make everything a little blurry, so they have this appearance of godliness, but denying its power. 
And then he tells us what to do about that very thing. In the end of verse 5, he says this. So here's what's going to happen. End of time. Things are going to be difficult. People are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money, treacherous. They're going to act like they're godly, but they don't know his power. They don't know who he is. This is what I need you to do. Timothy, please. Things are getting hard. He knows he's about to lose his life. He's about to be beheaded. And he says, avoid such people. There's the instruction. Avoid such people. And so it forces, we, we are forced to look at ourselves and go, are we to avoid the very people that we are similar to? That's the reality of it. And so we see this happening. And he's trying to ground them in scripture. Timothy, ground them in sound doctrine because if you don't, they're going to be led astray. Things are going to be hard. Things are going to be difficult. But you've got to ground them in scripture at all times because why? Everybody's going to develop some type of worldview. Everybody in here, everybody right now, whether you're online, whether you're looking at one of the other venues, no matter where you are, it does not matter. We all have a very specific worldview and that's been shaped and that's been molded. But your worldview is the framework your worldview is the framework from which you view reality. Your worldview is the framework from which you view reality. That's what it is. And it provides an overarching approach to understanding God and your thought, your theology, your doctrine, right? Your theology is your idea of who God is. That's what it is. It's that simple. And so your idea of even who God is, is going to shape and determine the view that you have. And is it selfie mode all the time and taking pictures of self and you always want to be on the forefront of everything? Or is it about God and about his word, his truth, and what he's wanting to accomplish? So that's what we know even from last year. A biblical worldview, that's what we're striving for. And a biblical worldview is thinking God's thoughts about the issues of life. A biblical worldview is thinking God's thoughts about the issues of life. even an easier way to think about it is that we want to think about everything as God thinks. And that's the one thing I'm going to ask that you write down. You can write this down, certainly. But our goal today is to evaluate and to consider whether or not we think about everything as God thinks. So here's your, that's, that's the issue. That's what we want to do is write that down. Think about everything as God thinks. Think about everything as God thinks. Everybody say, think about everything as God thinks. That's our goal. That's what we're wanting to do. And so we have that opportunity, and that's really the problem. If you really want to know, so this provides solutions to a lot of the world's problems. And the, the problem that a lot of us have had today and that we've encountered is that we've allowed other things to shape or to mold our thinking, our worldview. So right away, you're going to be forced today to evaluate and to consider that which you have allowed to shape your view of the world. And that's a hard thing for us to absorb and to process. That's a difficult thing. We're going to be forced to do that because we've all had it happen. That's the problem. We've allowed other things to shape or to mold 
our understanding, our thinking, our worldview. So in order to accomplish that, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 12. So turn with me, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And praise be to God, I'm only doing two verses today. That's it. Romans 12, 1 and 2, because there's so much in this. And I want to begin just by reading through this verse. Uh, I'm going to go through verse 1, and as I go through verse 1, I'm going to be speaking about some of the things that are occurring in here, because these are also the words of Paul. He's writing to the people, and he's writing to those who claim and are believers, those who are like, hey, yeah, we have faith. He's encouraging them. Others are reading it as well. And so Romans chapter 12, this is what it begins with. I appeal to you, therefore... So another version would be, I beseech you, or I, um, I am asking of you. But this appeal, if you look at the original language, it's really denoting, like, it's almost like a begging. Like, please listen to me. Right, that's what, so if I ask my, right, lots of kids. So I, actually, I only have four kids. In West Michigan, that's like nothing. So, um, but I grab my kids. And I'll be like, hey, hey, at dinner time, I'm like, hey, guys, make sure you clean up the dishes. I help you help out. And so I do that, and they, they typically are pretty good about doing it. I have incredible children. Um, but it's different in doing that than when I say, guys, we've got to talk. This is what needs to happen after dinner. This, this, and this. Right? That, that father is heard differently than the first father that just turned down. I'm like, hey, guys, make sure you help clean up the dishes after sometimes believe it or not that when i say it the first way they may or may not run outside and play before everything is done but when i do the second that's what he's doing here he's like hang on guys he's not just running through it real quick he's saying i am appealing to you i am beseeching you i'm begging you please listen to me right now Make sure you listen to me. I'm appealing to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to do what? To present your bodies as living sacrifices. So he's saying, please listen to me. You're going to present yourselves as living sacrifices, but you're like, oh, that's a horrible other thing. To, like, I don't want to do, I really, I had to go all the way there. But he's telling them why. Why? Because of the mercies of God. Paul's already done an amazing thing in teaching them about the mercies of God. So now he's going to go back to that. And he's going to remind them that if you understand the mercies of God, giving yourself as a living sacrifice is nothing. Here's some of the mercies of God that he's already spoken about. I'm going to rattle them off, write them down real quick. They're not going to be up here, so get ready to write. Here's some of the mercies he's already spoken about. Justification from the penalty of sin. Right? right? We, we know that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where did he found that? That's Romans 6.23, by the way, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he's already called out that mercy. Another mercy that he's called out is that we now are, the old is gone, the new has come. We, are, we have a new identification with God, right? The old has gone, the new has come. Another mercy that he's called out is now we get to live under God's grace. We no longer have to live under the law. Like that regimen of going, you better went away. And now it's like, wow, because you understand the law of God, you get to. What? That's what he's doing. Another mercy he calls out is that the Holy Spirit's going to live in you. And here's another very cool thing. It tells us that nothing, he's already told him, mercy of God. Guess what? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
So do me a favor. Um, if you're, it doesn't matter, again, if you're online or in another venue. I, want, I need everybody in here. Everybody raise a hand. Raise it as high as you can. A little bit higher. You've got selfie arms. Come on. If you're raising your hand right now, if you're in your living room, seriously, raise your hand. If you're raising your hand, you need to know this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Happy day. Wow. So they, he's already taught them all of that. Here are some of the mercies of God. And so now he's like, listen, I'm begging you because I've already called out some of the mercies of God. You know what they are? That you've been freed from that life of living by only these rules and regulations. The law in itself is good, but right? Not when it's a dogmatic legalistic. That's not, he's like, listen, you get to live a free life now. You, you get to live a life that is under his grace and you're going to be free from condemnation and nothing you do, no matter who you are and what you've done in the past, can separate you from my love. And so why wouldn't you offer your bodies as living sacrifices? Why would I? Because that's so small. The only people that it's not small for are the ones who live like this. But I'm better. I'm greater. I'm the most important. I need to be in the forefront of everything. You got a beautiful God's creation out of Yellowstone. And it's, you just quit. Like, I wanted to yell down, guys, quit messing up the view. Doesn't mean that you're not a child of God, but that's God's creation. What are you doing? He's calling out to them. And then, and then he, so he's like, listen, this is your act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. Then he jumps into verse 2, and it tells us right here, it's going to come up. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? By the renewing of your, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and pleasing to him and perfect. So he's calling out. He's like, listen, this is what I need you to do. I'm begging you guys. You, you know the mercy. So if you know the mercies of God, you're going to be even eager to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And that means that, man, if you're wanting to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, because and that's the appropriate response, by the way, of understanding the mercies of God, you've got to work to make sure that you're no longer conformed to the pattern of this world. And this is a lot of ways. This is the hinge of this book. This is a pivotal moment. For the book of Romans. And so he's calling out, appealing, beseeching for them to do this very thing. And another way of thinking about Romans 12 too, some just translations of it would be Romans 12 too. In fact, let's go back to that passage if you would. Let's go back to that scripture. What that really is saying is don't let the world squeeze you into its mold but rather allow God by the renewing of your mind to shape your thinking and your view of everything that's what he's letting us know another another way to think about it is guys um, we have to resist conformity to the world part of our responsibility as a disciple is to resist conformity to the world 
in order to fully embrace the life that God has for us. And here's the struggle with that. Here's what's hard is that that means every day we have to wake up aware of what we're giving ourselves to, aware of what's happening around us, aware of what people are speaking, right? And when they begin to dilute the truth in order to receive what they desire rather than asking God what his desire is so that we can chase him. And that's hard to do. It's, it's kind of like if you want to be healthy. And I can imagine this. You want to be really, really healthy. And so what you do, you, every day of the week, you eat anything you want. But every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, you exercise for 45 minutes. And as a result of that, you expect to be good to go. And so the rest of the week, you can do anything you want. Now, that's not how I am. And if that's how you are, I'm going to ask that you leave because I don't like you right now. Because that's not real life, is it? Eat anything you want, as much as you want, do anything, treat your body however you want to, but you're going to exercise once a week and then you're going to be good to go. It's hard to wake up every day and go, I need to eat well and I need to exercise. Right, because all the different things that come in front of us, right, just the smells, and I'm like, man, sometimes I can walk into a place and I go, oh, butter popcorn. It's a hard thing to do, but he's saying, don't, don't give in, he says. Because our thinking, our worldview is being shaped and molded. And transformation by the renewing of our mind. Listen to the, please, please hear this. Transformation, according to Paul, Romans chapter 12, transformation by the renewing of our mind, it stands adamantly opposed to being conformed to this world. And what we have done is we've taken, hey, here's God, his view. This is how God thinks about things, so that's how I need to think about things. And we've gone, yeah, but here's what the world says. And we've said, oh, okay, maybe we can blend those together. Can't do it. You got to remember, there's one line, not two, right? That's how we treat often our understanding of faith in God. We go, man, on the other side of this line is what? That's Satan. The other side of this line, that's God. And we're somewhere hovering here. Maybe sometimes, No, there's one line. Either you're going to stand against God or you're going to stand for God. We do these lines to make ourselves feel better because we, nobody ever puts them. Nobody's hopefully as arrogant to say as, I'm way over here, I am God. But nobody ever puts them on the other side either. They just go, I'm somewhere in the middle. No, that's our problem. And so we start to understand this. That we need to experience that transformation in order to have a biblical worldview. Metamorphosis is where this word comes from in Greek. And it's actually only, it's used here in Romans chapter 12. Paul uses it one other time. That's it. And so here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18, you can write it down. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, this is what he says. He says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's just, when we claim to be a transformed follower of Jesus, it means that we have offered all of ourselves as the spiritual act of worship. In these two verses, he tells us how to be transformed, and in many ways, he's telling us how to have a biblical worldview. This is what he says. And this is, I'm just going to lay it out. This is, 
I'm going to give you three things right now. Write them down. This is how to live a transformed life, or even better, how to have a biblical worldview. One, I've already mentioned it, but remember God's mercy. We need to remember all those things I was calling out before, that God is rich in mercy. When you first and foremost think of God, um, your first response should not be, oh, here's more I better do. It should be, wow, God loves me so much. So we need to remember God's, maybe what you want to do in remembering God's mercy is that even with a friend or a loved one, right, later today, you start going, hey, let's start listing all of the ways God has revealed and shown his mercy to us. To reckon everything we have is due to God's mercy, guys. Even the way we, like sometimes, have you ever heard someone saying, they may be, they said no to something or something didn't work out, and they're like, oh, it just wasn't God's timing. But what I don't ever hear is, hey, maybe I made a mistake, right? Because we don't want to acknowledge that. Or we go, oh, it happened now. It wasn't meant to be before. It's meant No, maybe we were slow, and in God's mercy, he just gave us more time to catch up. You see what we do? Why? Because we are at the forefront of everything. Even in the way we speak, we don't even register how self-centric we are. Instead of saying, I, you know what, I messed that up, I should have done this, or man, I should have done this three years ago, and God gave me another chance. God, thank you for your mercy. We go, oh, it just wasn't God's timing. We don't even contemplate us making a mistake. And so we need to remember God's mercy. Another thing that we need to be able to do is we need to, as we worship, this is your spiritual act of worship, right? We need to yield our full self to him. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to give him a part, right? We're going to give you Sunday morning for an hour and a half. Or we're going to give you a little bit, you know, occasionally we're going to go to church and we're going to throw in some money here and there. Right? Certainly the tithe thing, 10%, ooh. Guys, obedience to God is a joy when you're doing it out of understanding the mercy of what he has already done. So here's he going. He's like, man, a big question. If if it's about yielding your full self to, to him, to God, let me ask you this. Maybe even talk about this with friends is what are you keeping from him? What have you set aside from God that you say, God, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, but this stuff... That's for me, off limits. That's me. That relationship, I know it's probably not of God, but I really want it, and so I want you to make it work. And then when it doesn't work, you get mad at God because you lose something in a relationship with someone that you shouldn't probably have been with, but you're angry at God when he never told you to be in the relationship. Can we stop treating God as a go-to slap-around servant and recognizing that he is the creator? Please. And so we need to yield our full self to him. What are you keeping? What are you holding back from God? If you want to live in transformation, if you want to have a biblical worldview, that doesn't mean you get to give a portion of yourself. 
And you're going, wait, you're asking for everything? Yes, I'm asking for your leg, your arm, your resources, your time, your energy. I'm asking for your relationships. I'm asking for your career. I'm asking for everything because God is worth it. Everything. If you read Luke chapter 14, the demands of discipleship, whoever is not willing to give up their entire life is not worthy to be mine. Sermon on the Mount in, chapter, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he says, listen, just because you say to me, Jesus, Lord, don't think I'm going to call you a child. He's letting you know because you haven't acted like it. But when you recognize his mercies, you're just eager to be obedient to him. third thing that we get to do to live out a transformed life or to, to really have a biblical worldview, the third thing is this, to resist conforming your thoughts to anything other than God. To resist conforming your thoughts to anything other than God. And I know, friends, that is hard to do when you constantly have a voice in your ear and sometimes the voice that's in your ear, you need to turn off. Simply ask this, is, is what you're saying biblical? And go search scripture to know if what they're saying is actually biblical. Because what we need to recognize is that we are being conformed right now into a particular mold. It, it hit me this last week. Listen, this is a seven-week series, um, and really excited about it. Um, I love just jumping in any time, the Word of God, of course. But here's what I recognize. It's a seven-week series, and guess which series is right after this? Anybody know? Christmas. What? I mean, everybody, the first thing you think about when you think about Christmas is what? Sugar cookies. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like, I am kidding. I guess, right? Son of God. But I do think about sugar cookies because I think about time with family and my girls, especially, they love to make sugar cookies. And they've got all of these different forms and molds that they make the cookies out of. Right? So you've got things like um, the hook. Candy canes. Yes. Those big words get me. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Uh, what else do you throw them in the mold of? Right? What else? A star. Tree. Ornaments. I, make, I just make big circles and call them snowballs. Right, And they, that's what happens is we start forming them into certain shapes. And what we don't recognize right now is that all of us are being conformed by certain molds in our life. What is shaping your thoughts? What's shaping your heart? And is it someone or something that is orientating themselves on the word of God? You, ha you had the responsibility. And, be, and if you claim to know Jesus, you will be held accountable to whether or not you do that. That's the reality of it, my friends. Am I, am I being clear enough? And so we have to resist conforming our thoughts to anything other than God. We have to make sure that we are being molded and shaped by the right things. That's why... Uh, during that last year, I spoke because it matters, and I hit everything from weed and wine to biblical sexuality and our view of what the scripture says about life, and I was hitting all kinds of issues a, a year ago. Um, one of the graphs that I showed you was about a biblical view. I want to show this to you again. So on this side, you have this biblical view, which is thinking God's thoughts about the issues of life, right? That's our responsibility. And when the Bible is steadfast, it's foundational, it's static, it's never changing, right? It's always a constant. 
And while this isn't the opposite of a biblical view, what the majority of people do is they have this relational or emotional view. So according to who they know and what they're saying, they don't want to offend anyone. They then have a particular belief that's developed. The problem with that is that's always changing. Have you not noticed that our world believes differently now than it did six months ago? Have you not noticed that? Disagreements when I was growing up meant you would go egg someone's house, not burn a city down. And it's because we're being controlled by these emotional responses and the emotional responses because we're not being renewed of our mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're not having a biblical worldview anymore. And it's always shifting and changing. Is anybody else, like, if you're not living a biblical worldview, to me, you must be simply exhausted. Because every day, if not at least every week or two, you're waking up going, what do I need to believe now in order not to ruffle any feathers? Well, Jesus was all about ruffling feathers, and praise be to God, he did. It doesn't mean that we do it with hatred. It doesn't mean we do it any other way. We do it because we recognize the mercies of God, and we so badly want other people to know that freedom. Like, I just want to shake us all. I want to shake every church. I want to shake the rust off of us and just let us start running as God designs for us to run that in light and view of God's mercies. We're not going to give them a little bit. We're going to give them everything. Right? I, just want, wait, I want us to wake up to this. Know what is shaping you. Know what is conforming you. One, because we also know Colossians 2.8, write it down please, that we are being held captive through philosophy, through empty, empty, empty deceit, according to human tradition. Well, this is what this person says they've always done, so I'm going to do that, or this is, no. Come on, according to the element or spirits of the world and not according to Christ, we need to let Christ be the one shaping us and molding us. Which means some of us right now today, you need to make a decision on whether or not you're going to allow God to captivate your heart in such a way, but that you have no choice but to change who you are, what you do, and how you speak, and how you spend your time, energy, and resources starting now. And that's why, even in this book, if you go to one of the first pages, what you see is this filter. And I've got a friend coming out right now. He's going to help me out. I'll give him the camera. Thank you, Mr. Vanna. Oh, do you know who Vanna White is, anybody? I just aged myself. TV host person. This is why you see this here, because what our desire is. Is this, is this resonating with anybody so far right in the heart? Yeah? It should be, because it's scripture. And either if it's conviction, that means you have a decision to make, oh, oh, oh I'm probably not living according to this. So you either you're, you're going, I don't know if I like that. So you have a decision right now, either you're going to push it away, or you're going to gain, no, I, I know that it's best, so I'm going to let God push into me. But this is what it is. This is why you see this. Every, everything in your life is really, you can throw under, and I teach this to my kids, under those five elements that you see at the top. Faith, relationships, work, school, finances, habits, or spiritual disciplines. Everything fits under one of those. 
So we want to take politics, race, everything. So we want to take everything. That's the desire of this series. And we want to take all of those things and we want to pour them through this filter that is the word of God. Right? And part of that understanding in that filter, the word of God, is this understanding of Genesis 1 through 11. So write this down real quick. I'm, I'm go- I know I'm going so fast. They don't give me enough time. Um, that, I want to show you this. Let's go to the next slide. Part of understanding what this filter is, and this is what I want you to write right here, is this biblical worldview. Is that, yes, and we've spoken about this numerous times, you have creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's Genesis 1 through chapter 1 through chapter 11. What you recognize is God created, but out of our own sin, that's the fall. We were born sinners, guys. You got to know that. We were born into a sinful world. We are sinners. We are selfish. We don't want to be the forefront of everything, right? And he's going, no, there's the fall. And that sin ruins our relationship with God. But then he, he lets us know. Redemption and restoration is to come for all who profess his name. And so that's what we want to funnel everything, filter everything through. That's our goal. That's our desire. We want to take everything and do this. Politics, boom. Race, relationships, finances, time, energy, spiritual disciplines, habits, everything. To run through this. And we know that what comes out of the bottom, right? I'm, I'm a coffee lover. And we know that what would come out on the bottom if we poured the hot water in there is the good stuff. And honestly, even some of you who are here right now, you've got this beautiful thing that's been made. And you're, and God's like, drink the good stuff. Drink the good stuff. Drink it. Right? And instead, we actually ignore it. And we pick up the junk that's been ground and nasty, and we start gnawing on that. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're going, oh, okay, they've got all this good stuff. I'm just going to chew. Nobody wants to chew on that. That's what we want to take everything. And whatever comes out, yeah. Yeah. So as we, as we close, this is my question for you. One, have you received his mercy? A couple quick questions. You can write them down real quick. We're going to close here today. Have you received his mercy? Have you received his mercy? What are you keeping for self that you're not filtering through scripture? What part of your life are you not filtering through scripture? And are you ready to give him all of you? Are you ready to give him all of you as living sacrifices? Are you ready to walk out of this room today knowing you are different 
that your relationships, it's gonna be hard, but your relationships are about to shift. The way you jump on social media is about to change. What you give your time and your energy to is about to change. Are you willing to surrender all of yourself? Yes, anybody? Anybody willing to give all of himself? Raise your hand, everything. Don't, don't make me, I'm not gonna force you. I mean, everything. Listen, okay, if just the ones who raise their hand right now, if raise your hand again. I'm telling you now, if this many people actually give everything, elders, wherever you are, get a bulldozer. We're busting out the sidewall. Now, I'm telling you, everything changes. Will you give it all to a God who is worthy of even more? God, thank you for these friends. Thank you that we get to call upon your name. May we think about everything as you think about it. May we learn to worship our spiritual act of worship. May we hold nothing back but give you all of our heart, all of our mind, the renewing of our mind. May we give you every single bit of energy that we have within us. May we hold nothing back. And if we've held anything back, God, I pray for that conviction. I want that conviction because I want nothing to separate me from the unconditional love of God. In Christ's name, amen.